Welcome to Traxxas, the running podcast, where we talk everything within the running world, as well as chat about athletes and coaches' personal life. We can't see feedback for podcasts, so please leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. That'll really help us out. Or send us a DM on Instagram. If you're interested in track and field and don't follow us, then you can see all our links in the podcast description, where to find us on Instagram and YouTube, where we post daily content. Enjoy the podcast. So I guess just introduce yourself and the main talking point of this podcast, if you will, because I feel like it's quite a, a good subject to talk about as a whole. Yeah, so uh, my name is Quinn Linus. I am the founder of the Canadian Track and Field League. So we are the first track and field league in Canada. It's a team-based platform. Uh, there's going to be four teams um, that are going to be competing for the 2022 season. We already have 12 Olympians that are helping us out, all Canadian Olympians, except for one, um, Kato Rockshore, he's from Jamaica. Um, yeah, and that's kind of the, the gist. Um, so again, starting this season and athletes will be able to, you know, create a platform for themselves and also receive prize fund, um, either through individual accolades or through the team championship. Okay. So first of all, I just want to say, I feel like whenever we have a professional, like a pro athlete on, and we always ask the same question, what do you want to change about the sport? And they always say team leagues is the main thing they want to change about the sport. So where did that sort of idea come from originally and how did it get started yeah so I guess I I'm an athlete myself I do the 400 meter hurdles it's not like I'm I wouldn't really consider myself elite um but I'm I'm pretty good um and I kind of found that you know being an, a, a somewhat elite athlete I didn't really receive any of the kind of funding um especially in Canada we're pretty light on funding so my idea was to kind of okay how do I attract larger a larger fan base to the sport because honestly I feel like we're, we're lacking um, even though we're the main attraction at the Olympics the remainder four years people don't really care too much about track and field so how do we kind of fix that problem um, and then I kind of got into Formula One um, when that drive to survive uh, started so I got really into that and then I thought this would be a really cool model to make uh, work in the track and field community. Um, so this uh, this past year, I started working on kind of creating a platform and uh, the the standard, the system, basically that that is the Canadian Track and Field League now. Um, so that that's that's kind of how it all got started. Mainly the, the Formula One kind of sparked my interest, and I was like, this this would be really cool to apply to track and field. So yeah, have you have you got plans for sort of the like a documentary style following the track league as well? Or is that in? Is that I, in Actually, yeah, I am. <laughs> that's that's going to be my more ambitious goal to have kind of a drive to survive um, track and field, you know, um, kind of an era to it to to uh, to kind of showcase the athletes and, and the team components because you know a lot of people don't see all the hard work that kind of goes behind the tactics as well. You know, my parents, I got into track and field, they still don't really understand the tactics behind running an 800 meter race. So trying to like get fans engaged through like the understanding of it because you know from a normal person's perspective we're just running around a circle but like if you understand the sport you kind of understand the tactics especially in that you know 800 1500 meter kind of race um and that draws people in so it won't just be the main focus is like 100 meter you know what i mean so um we actually have a really stacked 400 meter hurdle lineup with the top four of five canadians um in in the field so it'll be very very interesting to to kind of see how the different events will play out and what's going to be the more popular events to watch i really find just going back to the drive to survive thing i I find it crazy that the diamond league is called the diamond league and it doesn't it's not really a league it's well it is an individual league sort of because you get points Mm. but like first of all it's not really a league when it should be 
And also, I don't understand why they, they don't follow people around training and then to races like with a camera crew and stuff like that. It makes zero sense to me. Like they should do that. Um, so I'm glad you're sort of trying to integrate them them too. And like, I think Drive to Survive increased Formula One's, I think it doubled Formula One's popularity. So, I Definitely, mean, it's, it's what got me interested in it. <laughs> and we don't have any context of, um, like you said, the Olympics, it's like the, it's the main Olympic event. But then as soon as the Olympic year is done, no one cares about it for four years and we don't have any context of these athletes. And so I think that's a crucial part as well. So I think it's, it's something that I, I think is the most important thing in the sport is to develop this league and this system of being able to follow teams and also being able to like, because if you follow a team, then you get to know all those athletes and you also see races within races, because let's say if a team is first and then a team in second is only like seven points behind and then this person doesn't even have to come first to then still go ahead if that makes sense so like you're more invested in the whole field rather than who's at the front as well which i think is important so i think the first the first question i have is how is it sort of structured i've I've read up on this so there's four teams eight disciplines for the first year and then 152 athletes is that right yeah, that's our target. So we're aiming for eight athletes per event, um, yep. per gender. So that's not a really big priority for me is to have it, um, you know, gender equality basically in sports. And I think that that's this this league could be a driver for that. Um, so we're trying to have, um, you know, equal distribution between men and women. Um, right now, it's funny. There's a lot more men that are signed up than women. So the men, the male events uh, are basically filled with registration. So we have a basically, I guess I can describe the, the platform itself. So um, from an athlete perspective, you register to be in an athlete pool. So in like the, um, yeah, in the athlete pool. And then from there, eight athletes will be drafted um, per gender per event. Um, and that's, that's a maximum. So we only have eight spots per, per event basically. Um, and then right now the Olympians, so we have four Olympic ambassadors. So Melissa Bishop, uh, Brandon uh, McBride, uh, as well as Aaron Brown and Tim Nadeau. Uh, and so they're representatives for each of the four teams. So Melissa Bishop is the representative for the Huskies. Um, and then Aaron Brown is for the Bears. Tim Nadeau is the Spitfires. And uh, Brandon McBride is um, for the uh, Arctic. Arctic so, yeah. yeah, so there's going to be 32 athletes. They're called core athletes. And they're actually going to be going to meet and competing we're going to be videotaping them that's going to be the primary you know drive to survive kind of we'll be recording them at the meets and then after the meets as well um and then there's uh six utility athletes um and those athletes can it was generally to encompass because canada is such a large country the you know the athletes that are in the far east and in the far west um and that's done because uh in this first year we're only going to be competing in ontario and quebec um and obviously yeah, canada is very large so it's very it's costly to travel if you're an athlete um if you're especially you know far out west um so those guys don't have to compete at any of the ctfl events um but they'll be you know uh, recorded their standings will you know the stats will count towards their team's um ultimate goal which is to win the championship at the end of the season um so yeah that's that's kind of like the, the league structure so um, four teams, 152 athletes is the target. Um, some athletes from the registration pool won't be drafted, obviously. Um, the draft happens on April on April 16th. Um, and then uh, there's going to be four meets throughout the season. So three preliminary meets and the championship, which is going to be held in Ottawa uh, on July 20th. So yeah, that's, that's basically the structure. So in terms of, I, I know it's 
it's probably something to consider in these times. Like, is there a, like out of the people who don't get drafted, is there anything at the moment for them? Or is that just like next year you redraft or is it like you're a reserve in case of COVID and stuff like that? How does that sort of work in that case? Yeah. So the top two athletes, so if you, if you aren't drafted, say in the top eight, the top two athletes um, that are undrafted will act as reserves for the team. Um, so just as Formula One kind of does it with, you know, with Nico Hulkenberg this weekend <laughs> racing um, as a reserve athlete after Sebastian Vettel got uh, COVID. So same thing will apply. They'll be racing for that team and they'll be accumulating points for that team for that, that specific meet. So, and yeah. How are you sort of structuring it with in terms of people who've got contracts maybe or obligations? It is like what, what kits are they wearing? And um, how does that sort of work? Yeah, so they're going to be wearing only for the CTFL meets themselves. Will they have to wear the jerseys? So after, so before that, like at any point, any other meets, they can wear their club's jerseys. But this is how the league is structured. This is how we're going to be able to generate revenue, which is um, we'll have specific uniforms for them. They're going to have uh, team logos as well as um, the uh, um, sponsorship logo. So similar to like the NBA or soccer. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's that's basically it for that. And then. Um, the main concern really is the NCAA eligibility athletes, those elite level athletes that are competing in NCAA. So we're working to solve that kind of problem right now. Either they only the top three athletes, uh, individual athletes of the eight will receive uh, prize money um, with the remaining five not receiving any. This is obviously a new league. Um, track and field is not the most lucrative sport. So we're starting out small and then uh, hopefully expanding so that you know we can actually have contracts and stuff with uh, with athletes. And then um, right now, majority of athletes don't have you know the major Nike deals that will be in the core athletes. Those are more the utility athletes, and they don't need to wear the singlets because they don't need to travel to our meets. So there's no issue with that. Um, yeah, so far there hasn't really been too many cases of uh, of these types of issues arising, but. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll prepare for it when it, when it does happen. So right now we're not we're not technically target. We have eight Olympians that are going to be competing as utility athletes. Um, so far, there's probably more to come, um, but they're they're mainly utility athletes. And one, Kato Rocks, right, will be uh, competing in the 400 meter hurdles as the as an actual core athlete. So yeah, yeah. So in the utility athletes. So this is why I'm guessing using the IAAF scoring table as the point system. Is that because? Yeah. If they go to a meet the other side of the country, that then the points are sort of the same. I guess you can go really detailed and say weather might be a factor and things like that. But is that sort of the, the sense of what you got where it creates an even playing field, regardless of if they're at the meet or not? They still sort of get the same result either way. So actually, the utility athletes were after the announcement was made that the CTF was going to be created. I already released all the structure. Utility athletes were because there was a lot of push from the western part of Canada trying to say like, hey, how would we get included? And yeah. my, my response at first was, don't worry, we'll be out there next year. We're just starting out small and then we'll expand to Western part of Canada. But they, they really wanted to be part of the CTFL. So that's why I created the utility athlete positions. Now, the use of the IAAF scoring table was actually because we wanted to try and have it so um, events were equal. So, yeah. uh, you know, if you, if you were, one, one big thing is like, you know, if you use times or something like that, or even standings, you might have a stacked field in one um, in one event, like the 400 meter hurdles, probably in, the, in this year's case. Um, and then obviously, you know, if, if even if you're maybe tenth in the country, you know, for the 400 meter hurdles, you would have maybe been second in the CTFL for one event, but you would have been 
dead last for, for your event in the 400 meter hurdles or something like that. So this is kind of equalize the events as well as the genders. So, um, you know, with with the discrepancies between performances between men and women. So uh, the IAAF scoring tables keeps things fairly equal um, in terms of performance. Okay. And yeah, because I think a lot of people say like playing devil's advocate, the IAAF scoring tables aren't 100% perfect, but it kind of doesn't matter because everyone's on the same playing field in each event anyway. So they're going to get yeah. scored on the same basis. So it doesn't really matter if one event is different because at the end of the day, it's about the points accumulated and not if the times are comparable, depending on what the event is. Yeah. So sort of going back to the start of it then, how, how did you sort of reach out to people at, at the start and sort of get that push of like marketing and stuff like that? Yeah, so I'm doing this all by myself. I work about, you know, probably like 80 to 100 hours a week um, <laughs> doing my master's as well. So I'm a really busy guy. But um, this all kind of got started was um, I messaged Aaron Brown and I was just like, hey, like I have this really cool idea. Um, would you want to support it? And he's like, I sent him my business plan. He said that, you know, this is really cool. Really, like, we need this in Canada. We need this in track. Um, so once he was on board, I was like, okay, we can kind of start progressing. Um, and then I started contacting, I'm, I'm, I have good connections with the track and field world in Canada. Uh, nice thing is that it's a fairly small world because we're a relatively small country in terms of population. So, um, yeah, I started reaching out to, um, ambassadors. Uh, so Melissa Bishop and Tim Nadau, um, I know, I know both them personally. And then my training partner, uh, who's better than I am. Um, he, he has grown up with a lot more of the Olympians, like the current Olympians now. So he kind of reached out to them, uh, seeing who's interested in being an ambassador. And then, um, from that point on, actually, you know, once, once I got Aaron Brown on, I released a post, um, our first post, it's kind of, uh, graphics aren't very good, <laughs> but, um, uh, definitely needs to be a higher definition. Um, but, after that point, the, the social media account blew up and I started working <laughs> like 16 hour days, um, trying to piece it all together basically and give people the amount of information that they needed. Um, and that's kind of where our, our website came into play. Um, so that's kind of how it all started. It was really fast, um, very, very fast. We had about a thousand followers in the first week. So um, that, that was uh, very intense. <laughs> it's kind of slowed down from, from here. And that's kind of why I'm trying to reach out and, you know, build, build the, the account a little bit more just to get the, the word out. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how it happened. I think a cool thing with this is that the concept of it, or the, not the concept, because it's an actual thing. It's not just an idea, but like athletes are going to come, they're going to be drawn to it because it's a great idea and it's different. I don't know what yeah. happened there, but you sound like you made yourself jump. My chair. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it's, yeah, I think the good thing is athletes will actually gravitate towards it because of the, like they all want it as much as hmm. you want to do it kind of thing which is yeah. helpful yeah yeah it's definitely been um the support from the community has been huge like there hasn't really any <laughs> negative comments um so that that's one thing that's really been really positive obviously um i didn't expect all the Olympians to basically hop on board and, you know, even now partake in, in the CTFL. So that, that was really huge because, um, you know, big names like Sage Watson and Aaron Brown and Melissa Bishop and, you know, Crystal Emanuel, like there, there's so many people that have now kind of starting to help out uh, as well as clubs across the country. So they definitely contributed to the explosion of it Re relatively you know, small. Hopefully we, we grow my, my objective is to probably get to like 10,000 followers by the end of the year, but 
um, yeah, definitely. Uh, it'll, it'll be a cool system to follow, um, even if you're not from Canada. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think it's it's still the sport, isn't it? Like, it's we're not at a point where you're going to watch your like local league because there isn't any local leagues. Like, I couldn't watch a league in the UK because there isn't one. So I think everyone will just be like paying attention to what what there is out there, just because it's the only thing what's actually there. And I hopefully, I'm not sure what your long-term term plans are. I guess it depends on how each year goes. But, like, it would be great to expand, whether it's you or someone else sees that idea and be like, hey, I want to try that here. Like, I think it's a really good stepping stone for what the sport really needs. So mm-hmm. have you seen any sort of people reach out and be, like, asking you questions or, like, trying to transfer it back to their like, local area or... Yeah, actually, I mean, the Japanese Athletics Association reached out to me asking if I was, you know, if they could have athletes in in the CTFL. Um, and then I, I kind of came back to them with, how about we create something similar in Japan? So I'm really open to, like, within within the next few years, expanding this to a more global perspective, basically, um, and kind of using the CTFL as a template and then expanding the league and inviting athletes to compete um, from across the world. So that would be something that definitely interesting um, to, to see. Um, yeah, that's, that, that, that's kind of the, the main objective. We'll see if it works. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so cool. Like, I feel like it's something, if you get the, if you get the model right, it's going to work practically everywhere. Yeah. And unless it's, I guess Canada is probably one of the hardest places to do it because of the distance. Like smaller countries, it's probably going to work even better. So like in the UK, yeah. it's so easy to do because you could drive up and down the country within a matter of hours. So that's that's also really helpful. How, yeah. Yeah. in terms of sponsors and getting sponsors on board, is that the same kind of thing where it's like sponsors want to come on board because it's, it's such a unique thing? It's a mixed bag. Obviously, um, sponsors look for key performance indicators. So um, we don't have any key performance indicators, right? Because it's our first season. We, we don't yeah. have anything available. You know, we, we've attracted some very big sponsors like New Balance and um, uh, Canadian Running Magazine, which is the largest magazine in Canada for, for running. Um, so those are the two kind of primary sponsors at the moment. Um, right now, attracting sponsors wasn't the first priority. So I'm starting to get into that now. Yeah. Um, hopefully within the next two weeks, we start getting more sponsors. But right now, we've, we haven't struggled. There's three kind of primary levels of sponsorships for the league. So there's the league sponsor only one of one so you're only going to have one league sponsor then there's the team sponsors uh currently uh none have been taken just yet um and that's kind of when we reach out to the larger companies and then there's the discipline sponsors and those ones will probably be filled up within the next week or two um and that's kind of like you're you're sponsoring the 800 meters or the 1500 meter or the long jump like those kind of things and you're going to be having a watermark on the on the um videos uh and also tagging our social media accounts and obviously with team sponsors you're going to have that kit um, that you're going to be able to have your your logo on and then the league sponsor um surprisingly hasn't been filled yet i thought it'd be really cool to have a draft so we're having a draft on april 16th and they're going to be the primary sponsor to that as well as the uh, overall team championship um and obviously throughout the website and stuff but um yeah sponsors haven't exactly flocked to it there's been a mixed bag of people that are really really interested um, and, and those that are kind of skeptical of the league. So I think a lot of sponsors like to see a proof of concept before the sort of invest as well. So it's kind of like, we'll come back to you next year if it does well. So stuff like that. I can imagine you get a lot of that in the yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We, I tried to reach out to, um, Canadian. So there's a, a running room, 
in Canada, and it's the largest um, store for for running uh, and apparel and stuff. So um, they, as you said, they said they said no. And I was like, really? <laughs> like you guys are such a large company, and I, I would have assumed you would want to support something like this. But um, yeah, uh, so it's, again, it's been a mixed bag. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll find some company what's willing to do it. It's just about as as annoying it is. It's just about sending as many emails as possible, isn't it really? Like just finding every single company on, on the planet, the world, what can relate and just be like, yeah, like you're not going to lose anything from sending an email. That's what I need to get better at because sponsors are actually re- remarkably, especially bigger sponsors, they're actually m- remarkably easy to convince them to give you some money. And it's... You got you to teach me some of that then. <laughs> well, no, I, I just mean, it's, you know, I guess it's a bit different for me because I, I'd accept some small amounts, but it, I mean like, you, you don't realize sometimes how much how little a large amount of money is to some big companies and then when, and it's like if it's in their marketing budget they'll be like yeah we'll just give you this and like because i've done like brand deals before where that they keep the they 100 lost money on me because it was like a completely unrelated product to run it but they just they didn't care they're just like yeah we'll pay for you for another month and i had like a, a six-month contract and they'll pay me every month and it was like you're not making any money from this, but you don't care. They probably don't even check. So that's that's the kind of sponsors you need to find. The ones that don't even aren't even bothered I mean, about the performance. I, you you could guess like how much do you think a team sponsor would cost? I don't even want to throw yeah. a number out there because I'll either guess too high or too low. You give give me a ballpark and then I'll I'll try and uh I'll try and get it. It's way but, less than ten. Way, way, way less, less than, than yeah, way less than ten thousand. Like six or seven, eight, something like that. Three, three thousand dollars. That's it. Yeah. And there hasn't been a spot that's been filled. They get a whole. They have their own, you know, social media page. They have, you know, an Olympic ambassador. Um, you know, they're gonna be featured on draft night. They're gonna be featured on trading cards. They're gonna be featured on, but no takers just yet. So, it's it's been interesting to see, you know, the development of the league. It's very, it's new, right? Like, I mean, even with a podcast, like you're doing something innovative, but like there, there's others out there, I guess, but with this league, I guess there's some it's first in Canada at least. So it's it's been a hard sell at first. Um, but you know, with the league sponsors and stuff, oh, and we also have, you know, exclusive uh Canadian Running Magazine will be posting like three or four stories about us, and those are each valued at two thousand mm. dollars um each, and that's gonna be per event, and they've already posted at least three, and we haven't even started the season. So um been very uh interesting i guess <laughs> to, to work after this podcast i'll drop you a message a few a few sponsors that i know kind of like throwing money around and see if you can get them uh, on board because uh, <laughs> um so in terms of oh god i've, I've gone off track there so I'll, I'll ask this question it wasn't the question i was meant to ask you just now but like in terms of merchandise and things like that have you just got a setup like a, a print and demand setup where anyone can go on and get it like ship pretty much anywhere in the world and it's just logo on the top and stuff like that is that is that sort of thing you've gone for yeah that's the exact same thing i've gone for um again right now i'm really, really busy so managing i have to manage marketing finances operations strategy everything so trying to eliminate the most amount of <laughs> work for me is the uh top priority and just focusing on the main thing so right now I do a print on demand uh yeah. service and that's found on our website so and i guess i guess for anyone who is like me out there and curious are you using like uh, bonfire printful printify what kind of one are you going for or is it like alibaba one stuff like that we're using printify yeah again for the, the easiest i use printful 
and I'm, I'm considering changing because I just I'm not getting on with print form. So many people listening won't have a clue what we're talking about, so I'll, I'll move on from that. <laughs> interesting, because you know um, Ben Crawford, he, um, you know, do you know Ben Crawford, New Generation Track and Field? Yeah. He yeah. he uses like he sources them directly from China, and it's like he okay. goes through the process of designing it, getting samples and stuff, and like. I wish I could be in a place where I could have that time and also like the upfront cash flow to just be like, yeah, I'll order all the samples and then I'll order all the stock and then I'll see if it sells because he just knows it's going to sell, which is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it must be quite nice being doing that. But he, I tried doing that um, with um, Alibaba and I like, mm-hmm. outreached loads of different companies and they're just quite hard to deal with and like trying to get the logos. It just takes too much time. Like in Printful, you can just upload the design copy it onto different types of things and then just but i really like that idea i think it's actually better because you can ship anywhere and shipments are generally quite frequently like two weeks maximum sometimes which is handy for print on demand especially so yeah sorry that's me nerding out of business a bit i just (laughs) where did the names come from like arctics arctics huskies and bears i can understand because they're very canadian i'm guessing but what what about spitfires is that canadian thing as well or is that just So a Spitfire was the um, airplane that was used in World War II um, for the Allies. So that was primarily the Canadian, um, sh- um, you know, airplane basically that we used. Um, so that was kind of where the name came from. Um, I'm a World War II buff kind of thing, so I, I like the idea. Um, fans also were able to vote for the uh, names of the last two teams. So the Arctics and the Huskies were chosen uh, by me and my friends. Um, if I'm not, you know, going to be taking, I'm not taking a salary. So if I'm not going to be taking a salary, I may as well get to dictate a little bit about <laughs> how the league is run. Um, so yeah. And then the, uh, the bears and the spitfires were voted upon and the other two options were the Falcons and the, um, uh, Highlanders. Um, so it, we all went with Canadian themed, um, teams. So, um, you know, also there, there's no locations for the team. So again, it's kind of like Formula One where, you know, you have a McLaren, though it's, you know, a UK brand kind of thing. Um, there's no actual location and that was to include as many people as possible from across the country. Um, so not to exclude anybody like, you know, the NHL or NBA does where you have one city. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the approach that we took to the naming of the, uh, of the teams. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's interesting because I was thinking about, um, trying to get something started in the uk and i was like can't be location based because we're not at a point in the sport where someone's gonna it's because it kind of limits it in running because mm-hmm. you can only get get people from that location whereas in major sports like football so, or soccer uh basketball and stuff like that athletes <laughs> relocate to that city to yeah. join the team and you can't really do that at the minute hopefully maybe in a few years you never know but yeah i think also with that they sort of get people from all around not being biased to one team and it's like a variety of fans from everywhere and i think that helps because it's like a dive more diverse people like in the uk the structure of uh the club system is just geographical so you're only supporting your geographical team whereas yeah. if it was a team of mixed athletes our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You sort of support everyone's like supporting different teams and stuff like that, which I think is better for the sport because it just adds a bit more excitement and also draws everyone in rather than just people who might be from one place, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see um, who gets the most fans this year. Um, obviously, I think it's going to be dependent on who is competing for what team. You know, if you have a friend competing for the Spitfires, then obviously you're probably going to go and buy, you know, a yeah. Spitfire's uh, sweater or something like that. So um, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what team, um, you know, has the largest fan base and who gets the largest following. Will it be dependent on the athletes themselves, the ambassador, how they're performing? Um, so, yeah. I'm rooting for the Arctics, I think, already. Yeah. I yeah. Did you say McBride's is the one yeah. for the Arctics? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a no-brainer for me, then. Arctics, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that was, that, I was excited about that one too. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a good one. I, I can't remember what I'm I get, I get so carried away with stuff like this because I think it's so exciting. You did mention sports cards or trading cards. What? What's yeah, so that's that? something we'll be working on. Yeah, so we'll be working on that. We're also going to try and kind of build a fantasy league to see if you know anybody yeah. can join and kind of build it. Either that'll be through an app, which is going to be a lot more expensive, or um, we'll probably. Do just do a draft board where I'll be able to release basically the athletes and then you can kind of build it and um, we'll use like a point system basically. And whoever wins at the end of the season, whoever accumulates the most points, whoever builds the best team, basically, um, you know, we'll, might get like a hundred dollar cash prize or something like that. Um, so that'll be something fun for the fans to do. And then the trading cards back to that. Um, so we'll be ordering trading cards, um, obviously with like the athlete's consent. If an athlete doesn't want to have a trading card of them, which like I don't, imagine many will not it's a cool thing to have um yeah um so we'll, we'll be making trading cards and stuff and, and athletes can either purchase you know themselves or, or they can purchase um you know trading cards uh pack as well as like the fans can, can do that too so yeah I, I really like the idea of this team thing because like down the line say if there's a really cool photo from one of the events stick that on a poster that's more cash flow and it's just something else to have as a mem like memorabilia and like i just mm -hmm. i just really like that um yeah. Oh, also one other cool thing that we did is we have partial general manager positions. So you could literally be anybody and you have 10 days now left because there's 10 days left to register. Um, but you can be a partial general manager and help dictate basically the future of a team, which is really quite cool. So we send you like the information and the points allocated to the athletes, and then you can kind of put them in a draft order and you're the one that gets to decide basically where they're going to be drafted, what team they're going to be drafted to, so what priority you're putting on them. Um, so that's really cool. You're basically developed, like, you know, if you play video games and stuff, like you're, you're helping create a whole league because this will be one of one, right? Like next year, the draft might not be as cool because it's just going to be a, a smaller influx of athletes. Yeah. We're truly dictating the entire franchise who will be winning the championship this year, basically. So that'll be really cool to see. We have a, a few general managers. There's some spots that are still open, but um one thing that was really cool um and innovative and it also helps me kind of stay away from i'm not toying with anything so it, it's not <laughs> i didn't buy the teams 
yeah I didn't cheat yeah I didn't I there's no bias <laughs> so um yeah it'll be really interesting to see what what team comes out on top yeah if I was the general manager I'd send everyone to the Arctics already um so in terms of fantasy you said the fantasy there mm-hmm. have you considered using roster at all Do you, are you aware of the roster app do you know what that is I'll write it down <laughs> So I'll, I'll show you it now as well, just because it is, I guess, handy for anyone who's listened to the podcast as well, because it's such a good app. It's called Roster Athletics. And I'll just ask, and it's funny because actually the, the main profile picture is of uh, Sandy Morris. So it's like proper track and field. Um, yeah. I'll continue as a guest just to go through it. And if anyone's listening to the podcast, well, I don't know why I said if anyone is, because I know people are listening to the podcast, then you can go <laughs> on Roster as well. And look, so it has basically every single athletics event you can't really see the top one for some reason that's the world athletics but then i'll go on this one's the puerto rico classic american track league and i can go on it and it's loading so it's a white screen at the minute um but basically what it is is it has all the information so it has all the start lists all the results i think there's also a built-in fantasy so and you can also sponsor through directly through the app as well so it says sponsor there so if i can click on that you see see how the puma's the sponsor so it shows you the sponsors of this event but this one, you can like follow the meet and see what it is. And then I'm just going to try and find the, the fantasy part of it because I think it's really cool. Um, I think I actually might have to be signed in to do the fantasy part. But that's the concept is there. Like, I'm, I'm sure yeah, you know what I mean. And it's just... Yeah, that's it's definitely great. an idea I've just been toying around with. I haven't really done too much research into it because I'm kind of focused on building the actual league instead of the other external components. But yeah. yeah. Well... I'll have a look at it for you anyway and send it across. <laughs> I'm interested in it. Um, oh, yeah, here we are. So this is for the World Indoors. You can't see it because it's white, but I'll just explain it to you. So it's like the sprints. You have a female selection and a male selection. And the distance, you have a female selection, a male selection. For the jump, you have a, and then you get points. So it's like a selection per event or per discipline. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you just, it's yeah, you get points and it's like a leaderboard. Um, so it's really cool. That is cool. So anyone who has, so it might be worth out reaching out to them because they pretty much do it every single event. Like even if it's a small event, they'll do it. So that is um, really cool. Oh God, I forgot what I was going to say now. This is, it's, I just get carried away with this kind of stuff because it is so cool. Um, what was some of like, I guess the major setbacks from like, or the, the main challenges? Because obviously you mentioned you're extremely busy. And I know what that feels like. Just trying to do something by yourself. It's hard to delegate your time choosing what to do because some things take a lot of time but might not have that much impact and other things you probably need to do so how have you sort of been going about that as well as doing a master's yeah um so i guess the three primary challenges and some are ongoing some are kind of solved um the first one was getting the schedule out so contacting clubs because i'm partnering with clubs so we're, we're partnering with london once your track and field club um as well as uh saint Lawrence select and then the Ottawa lions um, so those are three track clubs that we've partnered with. So just finding those, um, convincing them to, okay, we're going to be having athletes come to your meets. We're going to be recording those meets um, and like here are the benefits for you. So they're going to be able to receive, you know, the extra influx of cash from these uh, also elite level athletes that are going to be coming to your meet and attending and competing. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's very, the, the whole point of this is like, there is very little drawbacks for any stakeholder. Yeah, truly. Like we're giving pretty like, pretty cheap sponsorship opportunities to get, to get the league started. We're funding athletes into stuff that basically they would normally do. Maybe you have to travel once throughout the season. Um, and then we're also giving you know, organizers these 
elite level athletes basically and an influx of cash. So very little downside for every single stakeholder and for fans, you know, we're creating a whole system basically you can watch a centralized system of track and field and follow along with you know, your favorite team and athletes basically. So again, super little downside, but first problem is definitely getting at the schedule. Um, the second problem right now is that there isn't enough female athletes that are signed up. We have over 170 athletes signed up uh, for the registration pool, but obviously some events are really full with, you know, like 16 athletes in them. And then other events have, um, you know, three or four athletes generally for the female side. So um, girls, you guys are signing up. Um, and, um, uh, and then the third one is the sponsorships. So just basically trying to break even. Um, whatever money, again, I'm not taking a salary this year, so I'm working probably like 80 hours, 100 hours a week on stuff, um, but I, will, I won't be taking any money out. I'm going to be reinvesting everything, so into that Drive to Survive kind of-esque documentary, um, more marketing opportunities, hopefully even greater funding for the athletes themselves. Um, so everything kind of goes back into that. So getting the sponsors to get uh, involved has also been uh, a difficulty. Um, we, I was working with the Canadian Running Magazine um, sponsored person, basically. So, um, and he was valuing the league sponsorship at ten thousand dollars at minimum. Uh, we're putting it down to six thousand dollars. So, we're just trying to get like sponsors in in order to help the league grow because, you know, there there are three you know primary stakeholders in this, and it's the fans, sponsors, and athletes. Um, and we have to appease all of them in order to make this work. Um, so, so th that's the third and final kind of problem that I'm working at, uh, on solving right now. Sponsors is really the only one that I'm concerned about. Athlete registration seems to be picking up. Only ten days left to register. So, um, yeah, not not uh, not too many huge challenges afterwards. Once the season starts to go, uh, it'll be more about the fun activities that I get to do as opposed to the stressful like, okay, is this going to be viable? Um, so, so basically in the next uh, couple of weeks, we'll, we'll decide uh, how, how, <laughs> how much I can invest into the, into it. Um, yeah. And how is sort of your time being allocated? Like what takes the most time do you think? And like, like what is basically that the most strenuous thing to do? What some people might not actually realize goes into planning these kind of things. Communicating with athletes, coaches, and sponsors. So that takes the largest amount of time. It was super easy. At, at first, I thought it was really hard to come up with a business model and stuff, but really getting the athletes involved, which hopefully won't be a future concern next year, but getting getting the athletes involved, I've messaged basically every single athlete personally, and that took me at least four days of like eight hour work, basically. Yeah. Um, and then also deciding the information that gets out to people. Because um, one other struggle is that that it will persist basically is I have a lot of information in my head, but getting it onto paper and articulating it properly basically for the athletes and the coaches and every other uh, stakeholder um, is really difficult because you don't want to inundate with people with information, but you also need to give them the information that they need. So um, yeah, that, that takes the most time. Definitely communicating with both sponsors and athletes takes the largest amount of time. I, I find that the same. Like I find it so much nicer to try and reach out to agents, but I guess it's harder when athletes don't have agents or you don't know if they do have agents because it is a sport where like there's not many elites really. So it's it'd be much easier if everyone has had an agent because I love working with people who either sponsor a collective amount of athletes or have an agent because it's so much easier to just send a message to the agent and they do the job for you. But 
mm-hmm. it's not as easy as that when people don't have agents and stuff like that. I, I always found communicating with athletes is hard as well, like different schedules. And obviously they probably get a lot of DMs. And also I've also noticed communicating with female athletes is harder as well. Um, I think it just tends to be a bit more resistance. And I, I, I kind of understand it because obviously there isn't an equal representation on line anyway so it's i feel like there's a bit more of it's quite a new thing for female athletes a bit more which is bad that it's more of like a a, a, like a strange thing for them to get asked to do things and compete in things because it's mainly men who are getting to ask to do things or collaborate on content so i think that's why i've noticed like there tends to be a bit more resistance because it's something that most of them haven't have never done before because less people ask which is is bad but that that could be why i guess there's one reason but yeah, I think 10 days left. I feel like people will start. And I always enter enter things day before. So yeah, I can't really, it's it's always like, yeah, I'll enter. I, I normally enter things after the deadline's close, which is which is terrible. I don't recommend doing that because it's a nightmare seeing if you can get in and stuff. But yeah, I feel like I mean it's just one of those things where if it if it was in the UK, I'd enter instantly. And like I feel like every athlete would. Like it's just it, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised at like the low, somewhat low turnout, I guess, um, for especially for the female athletes, because there really isn't, you really don't have to do too much. <laughs> you have to compete at one of the prelims of the three and you have to compete at the championship. We've tried to make it as easy as possible with the prelims spread out across uh, Quebec and Ontario. So those Ontario and Quebec athletes should definitely be registering. Um, so yeah, the, kind of confused sometimes I, I've, I've worked pretty hard at trying to get it um you know eight of the 12 olympians are female athletes so it's not like we don't have representation on that side um and, and, the, and the public is made aware that they're they're on board um yeah and then uh yeah we'll, we'll see how how the turnout works and if not it just kind of adds another element to it where you know those partial general managers they're going to be drafting and they have to choose basically okay do I really want the number one overall pick for the 400 meter hurdles or do I want at least a shot putter because they're going to run out fast so I think that's a good dynamic though as well it's, it's kind of interesting how that could work like it's sort of it's one of those things where in the first year it's never expected to run perfectly anyway like there's mm-hmm. always going to be challenges and I think having it where it, it just adds a bit more spice to it. If something doesn't work out, then it'll be like, it just adds more interest in, like at the end of the day, going back to F1, last year was kind of corrupt, but it added the most excitement there's ever been. So it's kind of like, it was fun to watch and from a spectator's point of view, um, and like, it's they're always changing like the cars and it's the same with all sports, like something's always going wrong or something's always changing. So it, I guess that kind of works in track and field as well. Like. If there's not as many shot putters, there's not as many shot putters, you've got to deal with it and sort of get get like try and work like create the best team possible looking yeah. at the scenario, which just adds yeah. an element of strategy to it, which is not really a thing in track and field, which should no. be. And and that, I guess that improves the team stuff as well. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see. I'm like really interested to see who wins this year. Um, it'll be, you know, the first, you know, we're gonna have medals, trophies, that kind of stuff. So it'd be really, really interesting to see who who wins it all this year and why. Like you, we may be able to point out exactly why somebody won and who lost. So yeah. So in terms as well as obviously it's um a thousand dollars cash prize for the winning team to split, yeah. isn't it? And then also yeah. the free top three core athletes and top six utility athletes 
what sort yeah. of other incentives is there? So pride obviously is the one incentive, but is it like next year's drafts picks? Are they like sort of do you yeah, so so if, if so the winners, so we'll, we'll work it the same way as North American sports work where you know the losers dead last will get the first overall pick next year. Um, and then it'll be very interesting because we're probably gonna be adding events as well next year. And we'll be increasing the size of, of the CTFL to expand to at least uh, Western Canada. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see you know who who will be getting that first pick next year. Um, and then obviously for this season, um, you know you're going to get your name on the trophy. You're going to get your your medals basically if you're in that top three. Um, and those athletes that are in the CTFL this year are guaranteed to have a spot next year, which is really important for them because say if you. If you're just on the cusp of making it this year, you may not necessarily be at that level next year because it'll be a proven concept. So getting in early is very important for these athletes now, um, just because they're going to have the opportunity to stay in the league next year. Um, so that that'll be that'll be really interesting to see. Um, there will also be trades in the off season, which will also be really cool. And that's another thing that the general managers will be able to control. They have to have at least 50% of their board basically saying yes to a trade. Um, so that'll be really cool to see, um, trades happening. You know, you might end up with like three, three guys doing the 800 meter, but only one doing the 1500 meter if you might do a swap. So again, really cool, really interesting, excited to see what happens with that. In, in terms of, is there is any disadvantage of three guys doing the eight and like one doing the 15? Or is it sort of just, I guess, if, if the eight's slow and then you accumulate less points? Or is it, like, it's always yeah. better to have a variation, isn't it, than just like go one event heavy, I guess? Yeah. So it kind of it depends, right? So you have to factor in, you know, age. So next season, if right now, this season, you're going to be having, um, we're, we're aiming to have two people per team per event, basically. So there's equal representation throughout um, for, for each team. Um, but then for the individual events for, for next year, there might be a change. So we're kind of changing the regulations, so to speak, basically. Um, and you know, you could have like four guys uh, doing the 100 meter per team, but you only have a certain number of roster spots. So that's where it kind of comes into play. Um, where, where would you like to kind of put your eggs all in one basket? You could completely monopolize the 800 meter um, and you'd still be accumulating points, right? Because it's at the IAAF point. So it's not like Formula One where you have, you know, if you're taking a whole bunch of people in the 800 meter, that means you're only getting like first, second, third, fourth. That means you, you know, lose points. But this this way, if, you know, the 400 meter hurdles, 400 meter hurdles in this case is stacked, you may want to have more people next year for the 400 meter hurdles. Yeah. Um, just because you're going to be accumulating more points. So pretty, pretty interesting. That's fun because say if you had like a time trialer, like if you had like some guys, let's say in the 15 who are really good at time trialing and you see another one who's good at time trialing, you're like if I could get all those three to work together and always try and run fast and get points, that might work better than having two people in the eight who generally eights are kind of very messy races half the time. So they might mm. take some of the risk away from the eight and transfer it into a more consistent 15 and like just working off the team strengths. I just think that's really cool. I hope people listening are the same. Like I, I, I love this, like the concept of it because it's just, it's what we should have, the, the sport should be doing on a much bigger level. Like it shouldn't be you working by yourself trying to do it in Canada. It should be World Athletics having employees and actually working on it globally. But yeah, well, they can hire me if they want. <laughs> that's probably where it's going to go. Let's be honest. Like, as soon as Seb sees it, it'll be like, yeah, why not? Let's just, you know, 
I feel like he's very interested in developing the sport like that. And I think, have you tried reaching out to World Athletics? World Athletics Club? Why can't I say that word? World Athletics at all? Or is it sort of not No, I haven't, haven't yet. I don't think we're really big enough or proven um, even for them to be on. The pod, it cut off for a second. I, Sorry. I, 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 I said I um, say, uh, even big enough and then it cut off. Oh, I said I don't think we're, we're big enough or proven um, yeah. just yet in order to kind of, you know, attain that level of attention basically. But yeah. maybe later this year. It's um, it, it's quite hard to speak to them as well. Like I tried speaking to Seb Co, and I sent an email to his personal assistant and they mm-hmm. replied saying, yeah, yeah, we'll check it and send it through to Seb. And then I never got anything back after that. And then I sent him another email and then he said the same again. Yeah, um, he's been really busy. Sorry, we'll send it across and then nothing. It's, it's quite hard to get through. I think sometimes you've, you've got to get lucky with it, I think, and see what, see what mood he's on because like, He's the power player, isn't he, really? And it's quite fun because he's obviously competed in athletics and he's sort, mm-hmm. of, so he's sort of connected. It's kind of helps a lot than having just a president who maybe isn't involved. I, I do think if, he, if, if you had time to present him with that idea, he would be fully on board with it. But it's just getting the opportunity to present him with that idea is uh, easier said than done. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. What are sort of your long-term, like, I guess, dreams or, like, plans for this like it doesn't have to be like I guess you don't want to be realistic anyway because it's about growing it and expanding it it's something that we've never seen before but what sort of your like thoughts of like wait wait and go and things like that yeah so 2023 season we should be able to expand throughout Canada um 2025 uh, to 2026 potentially uh we'll probably expand it and allow athletes to compete um you know, if you even if you aren't a Canadian athlete, you can compete. That's this is all dependent on obviously sponsors because sponsors are the name of the game. Um, as well as once we hopefully this year we might even be able to be featured on like a broadcast. Um, we probably won't make any money from that. But one of the largest revenue streams for sports in general is the media rights. So selling those media rights in order to grow the sport, um, you know, for to be televised basically, um, would be massive, and that would allow us to kind of grow to an international perspective. We could have you know meets in the uk we could have meets all throughout basically and have kind of a system kind of like a farm system like you know how like league one league two basically so you could have like league two basically as the national kind of Canadian track and field league american track and field league that kind of thing um and then expand basically and have that league one being international that international perspective basically so that would be really really interesting and that's kind of where i see it going within at least the next 10 years um and then having franchises. So instead of just me managing it, it'd be actual organizations that are managing it. Um, again, it would be would be very, very interesting to see how that kind of plays out. I'd really like to see it become a, a main thing in all regions. So let's say you have prelims and championships in each of your countries. And then the next mm-hmm. stage is the winner of the championship goes into a continental one. So I guess it'd be mm-hmm. North America, which is, Canada or probably America as a whole um, and then there'd be a European one an Australia Australasian one an Asian one an African one and then that championship and then the winners of that go into a global one and see so that'd be cool to like I guess make it like a world cup kind of thing and have stuff like that down the line because I, I kind of like the idea of keeping them separate and then bringing them together rather than just yeah. having them completely jumbled up all the time yeah no I agree and it saves yeah. travel then like 
because it's a bit hard to ask athletes to say if you made it a global thing instantly it's a bit hard to say to athletes like yeah you're a european team but we want you to travel to the us to compete against the us team in the league like it's hard to have a league system what's international at, well for running anyway at the minute whereas if you had um like domestic leagues watch them the championship the next stage would be to then go to another championship sort of like a knockout stage thing or a, is it called mm. a bracket thing in the in america i can't remember yeah 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 the a bracket yeah, yeah. that kind of yeah. system would think would look work really cool and again you just follow you follow the teams have merchandise for the teams and it's streaming like i feel like people don't understand the power of content as well like there's a reason yeah that- that's actually that's actually one big thing for us too. We did, so we're going to use free platforms so that everybody can watch and not just subscription-based platforms. I think that is really big for the sport to grow. I think that's been kind of a barrier for for people to enjoy. I don't even pay for, you know, watching athletics. It's either it's on TV or you watch it on YouTube. Um, So we're going to be using YouTube primarily this year. And then eventually we'll probably create our own platform for everybody to watch and enjoy it and not have to pay a subscription fee. Um, 100% ad revenue that way as well. Oh, sorry. I think there's a bit no, of a no, delay. Go. I think there's a bit of delay. That's why I, I, I'm not actually meaning to interrupt you. I think it just... Um... <laughs> no problem, you go. So you were saying you're going to have your own app, hopefully down the line, have your own platform to stream it. And it's just, I guess it's just easier for everyone to go on that app and maybe have like pop-ups or graphics and be able to have a lot more context in one place rather than having to go in the description of a YouTube video, click a link to see the tables and stuff like that, just more integrated and also you do get 100% of ad revenue rather than what 40% or 50% you get from YouTube like is that is that how much you get ad revenue on YouTube 50% because YouTube get 50% I think it's like two cents per ad view yeah so it's not <laughs> but YouTube earns for like it's like you take 50% and YouTube takes 50% I, I think I, that's I but then yeah that's just business side of things so it's just yeah. it's just ways of making money and like cash flow and things like that I did have another question to ask, but I've completely, completely lost it out of my mind. Um, very quickly, because I, I, I want to give like the floor to you to like say anything you want to say, and then we can sort of speak after this podcast and talk about trying to promote it and market it more as food tracks and stuff like that. But it's like, what? How can everyone find it? First of all, on Instagram, website, etc. And I'll, these will be in the description as well. But I just want to say it now because normally when you say it at the end of a podcast everyone starts tuning out because they know it's the end so i want to get it in before the end of the podcast just so then yeah listen. so our website is ctfl.ca and then our instagram handle is ctfl official um and then um we will be creating our youtube channel uh, it is it, you can just look up C- Canadian Dragon Field League CDFL um, and that will be our YouTube channel for when we actually do create our draft and that'll be our first official video is the entry draft um, that's currently the only platforms that we're on right now we're going to be expanding to Facebook and pro- and also Twitter um, but right now Instagram and everything else is enough for me to handle <laughs> so um, if I created more platforms that means I'd have to do a lot more work um, so that, that's kind of what we're at right now um yeah no thank you for listening and hopefully you guys do follow the cane track and field league and its development it's going to be a very new innovative system for track and field and it should hopefully help the sport grow i think this is what we really need um in canada and also in the world um in order to kind of attract a new fan base and uh have that buy-in so we're not just watching you know elite level athletes throughout their um in reality short career um 
we're actually going to be able to follow teams and see them build and um, see how basically the inner workings of track and field, um, you know, is, is going to be developed. So thank you for your time and you know, give us a follow. <laughs> right, perfect. I'll stop the recording there.